0: Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. One question that I commonly get asked is, uh, how is my practice different from a traditional MD and from other types of uh, ways to practice medicine? And it's a great question. My story is unique. Everybody's story is unique. And uh, my story is quite interesting. I am currently a a traditional medical doctor, so to speak. Uh, I did do my medical training uh, through the University of Toronto in Canada. And then I went to the University of British Columbia to do my specialization in physical medicine and rehabilitation. So four years of medical school after finishing undergrad and then five years of specializing. And when I graduated, I also uh, went into research. So I uh, was partnered with one of the top uh, internationally recognized researchers in the nervous system, particularly the part that we don't have voluntary control over, the involuntary part, the autonomic nervous system. And he was my mentor for research. And I started doing research and I, I really enjoyed it. So I kept doing it as part of my practice. So I was Uh, a part-time researcher and part-time traditional medical doctor. And I was practicing uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I was really enjoying my practice. I was working on the spinal cord injury ward at the major rehabilitation hospital in Vancouver as one of the um, specialist doctors taking care of the patients who came into the hospital. They had their surgery and they came into the rehab hospital to have their rehabilitation. And they were, as you could imagine, after spinal cord injuries, extremely complicated medical issues that arise and you get to know the, all the interconnections of the nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord and how it interconnects with all of the organs And I loved it. It was just amazing. Such incredible knowledge and um, a sense of ability to help people. And what happened was that I was on the ward of the inpatient ward and I got a message from my dad. It was a text message. And my dad was living in Ontario at the time and he uh, was an Ironman triathlete. Um, super, I'm doing air quotes, healthy guy, according to the current paradigm of, of health um, that's taught in traditional medicine. And I get this text message and he tells me the neurologist just gave me a diagnosis of ALS and that's amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig disease. Uh, For those of you don't, who don't know it, Um, It's a horrible condition where the body's muscles slowly shut down. They stop functioning and everybody who gets that condition is unique. It it could start in the mouth. It could start in the breathing muscles. It could start in the arms and the legs. And for him, it started in the arms. And this story started a few months before when he called me and he said, you know, it's weird. I'm working out, um, but I'm getting progressively weaker. And my handwriting is starting to shake and... You know, and actually my mom was the one who said, Hey, I noticed something's up with your dad. Can you talk to him? And I got it out of him. He didn't even want to complain. He was that kind of guy. So I just remember being on the ward and it just hit me like a ton of bricks because I had the unfortunate um, experience of um, knowing all of the story, like from beginning to end, like ignorance is bliss sometimes. But I had worked in an ALS clinic and I knew what was in store for him and, and our family. And uh, I still get teary when I think about it because it, it, uh, I experienced all of the grief all at once and I just started crying and I shut down and my husband had to come get me. I couldn't work for a few days. I had to grieve that knowledge. And then after that very necessary period of grief, I'm so glad I cried tears, you know, I let it all out. Um, And there were many more bouts of crying to come over the years. Um, However, what happened was I finally accepted that this was our reality. And I started to do everything in my power to help him. So first I started to do everything I could within my specialty. And that was quite a bit. um, Physical medicine and rehabilitation, otherwise physiatry. Um, We use a lot of uh, tools. Uh, We have a lot of tools in our tool belt, so to speak, to help people improve medications, breathing assisting devices, things to keep the lungs open and clear and all these things. So I went with him to his, I'd, I'd fly down to Toronto and help him out with his appointments. Um, I'd be there for all of the doctor, me- you know, it was really interesting to be on the other side of the table as a patient uh, or as a family member of a patient. That was my first time of something quite serious like that. And I learned so much from that experience, actually, just being on the other side of the table. and. It allowed me to really change my practice in that way to adjust um, the way that I interacted with my patients in itself changed dramatically from that experience. And then what happened was I had questions. I was kept on asking myself, why? Why did this man who was so healthy, eating what we were told to eat, doing what we were told to do in terms of exercise, he was so, you know, such a dynamic man. So, you know, he loved his work, everything like that. And I just kept on asking myself, why did he get sick? And I started to notice, we had no family history. And I started to notice that other people, uh, friends and family and acquaintances were also getting sick. It was like all of a sudden this like veil got lifted and I started to just notice and observe. And so I um, thought to myself, you know what, I'm a researcher, I have the skills of research. My bread and butter was doing systematic reviews. So I would systematically search all of the research on a topic and then I would analyze all the data, put it all together, write a manuscript, submit it and get it published. And And by that time I was already internationally recognized for my work and collaborating internationally. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to use this, these research skills, and I'm going to start to research. So I started diving into the research, and at first I started within the traditional medicine realm, so to speak, like where I had been taught to um, stay within in medical school, not on purpose, but that's just what happens with a training program. You're kind of led down a certain road, and you know, deviations from that road are very far and few between, unless you have something like this happen to you. Unless you yourself get a sickness or a family member a loved one gets sick and all of a sudden you're just not satisfied with the status quo, you tend to stay in your comfort zone. And that's very understandable because medical school and residency is just exhausting. You know, it's draining physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, it's also extremely rewarding, but in the end you're left pretty drained and so you basically have Um, You know, you kind of know what you know, and then you do explore, but within a certain range and usually within traditional Western medicine. But as I was exploring the research, I started to come across other kinds of research. Like, for example, research from really high level um, universities in India, looking at Ayurveda medicine, the ancient Hindu practice that's been around for about 5000 years. And they were showing they were proving the concepts of Ayurveda. Okay. Okay. And I was very fascinated by that. And then I started looking into traditional Chinese medicine and African traditional medicine. Um, And then I was fascinated by the whole concept of um, you are what you eat. And I started to think, well, was there something about my dad with respect to what he was eating and his digestive health? Because I was coming across that a lot. I mean, Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, you know, basically says that disease begins and ends in the gut right? You are what you eat, food is medicine, all that stuff. And I thought to myself, well, I haven't really, really learned this in medical school. We had four hours of training almost if I were to be, um, you know, complete in that. So I had four hours of training in nutrition in, in, in medical school. And I noticed that a lot of the research had to do with, you know, food and the power of food and the effects it had on the body. And I started to think, well, I don't actually know that much about food. So I remember taking like a, A weekend course taught by one of the PhD doctors um, working at the head and neck surgery department at the University of Toronto Hospital there, a cancer hospital there. And she just like blew my lid on that. She just was talking about things that I had never even heard of, like all of these vitamins and what they did. And I had kind of known about that, so to speak, but I had never uh, gone deep into it as I did at that time, again, propelled by my uh, father's illness. Looking back at the time, what I learned uh, in that course was so basic compared to what I know now. But at the time, it was so much more than I had ever learned in medical school. And then I kept going into the research, naturopathic medicine. And then I found um, this, I, I started to feel like, was I alone? Am I the only medical doctor that's like coming across all of this stuff, you know, and I finally found uh, functional medicine, which essentially the way I describe functional medicine, I mean, they describe themselves as root cause medicine, as in, you know, you don't just ask like, how can I help this individual feel better um, in their condition, but why did this happen and what can we do to actually reverse it or even improve the condition itself? So no band-aid solutions. They, They definitely know how to use that because they start off as doctors um in the in that um traditional medicine western traditional medicine paradigm but then what what I how I described it is that when all of these doctors um primarily from the US but from all around the world now when they or their family and loved ones got sick so the ones who um started to ask why and go deeper they all kind of found the same information so to speak they were finding when they started diving to the research they were coming to the same information that I was coming to which essentially is that only about 5% of all the conditions that we're seeing these days are 100% genetically predetermined. The rest of it, the rest of it is caused by the environment. It's, It's what we eat, it's what we put on our skin, it's what we drink, it's how we sleep, it's how we think, it's what we're exposed to mentally, emotionally, physically, even spiritually, you could say. And it's like the genetics loads the gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. And I did not appreciate how that was, like how strong that was. So if we think about my dad, you know, if you apply that way of looking at things, okay, so he got ALS with no family history. It was not a genetic predetermined thing that he was going to get it. So something about what he was doing or what was happening to him, either in, in his youth or as he got older, had exposed him to a combination of events that culminated in the experience of ALS. And the way that I like to think about it is that your DNA is like um, a, a piano, okay? Like the keys on a piano. So you're born with a certain DNA, a certain piano keys, and there is a limit to the kind of music that you can play with that piano. Like if you're missing an octave, there's certain songs you simply can't play. But within those octaves that are available to you, you can play an extraordinary range of music. But the music that comes out depends on the state of the piano player. So if you're feeding that piano player um, alcohol, right? Or if that piano player is depressed, right? They're going to put out um, a certain kind of music. It's going to be like a very desynchronous. It's going to be very unpleasant to listen to. That's like health, right? You're going to have bad health. But if you take that same piano player and you feed them good music and they're in a good mood, they have ways to cope with their stress. They go to bed at the right time. If they're exposed to toxins, they know what to do to um, help the body eliminate it. Um, They're going to play beautiful music. And that's what you get. You get expression of good health. So I realized that um, there was a reason my dad had gotten ALS. I I still don't know exactly what it is. I do have some suspicions in his case as to what it was. And I will cover that. In the future. And, uh, but what I found was that I was just fascinated by all of this. I, I started to realize that I also worked um, at an outpatient clinic at the hospital, and um, it was a neuromusculoskeletal clinic. And I would see people with the, a range of conditions everything from muscular dystrophy and cerebral palsy, all the way up to multiple sclerosis, uh, Parkinson's, all sorts of conditions, right? Brain, spinal cord, muscles, tissues, bones, all that stuff. And when I started to use that um, way of looking at things, this different perception of of health in the world, I started to notice that almost all of my patients, with very few exceptions, had uh, environmental triggers that had pulled the gun, so to speak, on their condition. And I started to, um, become saddened, um, by the fact that oftentimes I would try to help them with certifying currently with a plan to be certified in functional medicine. And, um, I was learning all these skills of how to apply them to my patients, how to find the root cause, how to help them reverse with, uh, nutrition, functional nutrition, like targeted, you know, nutrition supplements. Very targeted supplements, very scientifically backed approaches, certain kinds of exercise. Mindset was huge. In some cases, we had to talk about spirituality, the whole whole health paradigm. Um, But with these people, it was quite challenging. It was like it was almost too late. You know, I mean, some of them made heroic efforts and and certainly um, had to turn around. But with many of them, I felt like if I had been able to uh, reach them sooner, I'd be able to have prevented what they went through, what they were going through. So I started to look more upstream, so to speak. It was like they had already fallen off the waterfall and they were in the turbulence. So I was like, okay, what, what happens if I go upstream and I help at like the river where they're just about to step into the river and get swept away by this crazy current of poor health. And certainly you can reverse. It's easier to reverse when you're like going down the river at a slow speed and then harder when it gets faster and harder, and then even harder when you go over the side of the cliff, so to speak, down the waterfall. I was like, you know what, what if I go really, really upstream and I help people who are just starting to experience problems with their health or even have health conditions. And we can powerfully make some, in some cases, simple, in other cases, more drastic changes to their lifestyle um, and then some personalized um, supplements, um, some personalized exercise recommendations. Because oftentimes my dad was an Ironman, as I mentioned, that is not necessarily a healthy thing to be overly using your body and not allowing time for rest and recovery. That's an issue that can happen with people and it often does happen with people. That was not the primary cause, but I suspect that was one of the tipping points. And then what also happened along the road that I really should mention, because currently um, I definitely have a very special interest in women's health. And the reason for that was because when I started to learn all of these things about, you know, what is is, uh, health versus not health, like poor health? I started to realize that I was not healthy.
1: Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at Dr. to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode it is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.